This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first reading is from the 60th chapter of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Epah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The second lesson is from the third chapter of Ephesians. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he carried, has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence 
through faith in him. The word of the Lord. And I have to say one more thing, sorry. Ephesians 3 is like my fa- one of my very favorite chapters. You have to read the rest of it. You have homework. I have made copies that will be out at the mission table for you to read the last part. It's a wonderful prayer. You can say regularly, read it. It's beautiful. Amen. You know, t- today's gospel is really good, but you really need to go home and read the whole thing. Uh, please stand for the reading of the gospel in recognition of the God who comes to us through the word, a word that is living and acting today. Today's gospel comes from the second chapter of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where's the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Please be seated. Today we, as, uh, as Suzanne pointed out, today we are celebrating Epiphany, which is the day that supposedly the um, wise men finally show up at the stable. The only one of the four gospels that tells the story about the wise men is Matthew. Mark and John indeed skip the birth narrative altogether and they just jump in with the adult Jesus as he begins his ministry. But for Matthew, it's very important that this gets set up properly. Matthew wants us to see that this child is different. 
that this child is of a divine origin and is destined for great things. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience and he, together with his readers, knew the prophecies. They were familiar with the words of Isaiah and so Matthew begins by going back and appropriating those prophecies to set up what was to come. And so here on Epiphany, we get these guys. You can call them magi, you can call them wise men, you can call them kings. For Matthew's purposes, he would probably prefer kings because he remembers the words of Isaiah who in describing the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the messianic age, he envisioned a time where the people of Israel, far from being in exile, would all be gathered back together in Israel and those who had carried them into exile, those mighty rulers and kings, they instead would travel to Israel. They would bring gifts to Israel and they would come wanting to learn the ways of the Lord. And Isaiah goes so far as to describe exactly what those gifts would be, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Isaiah also prophesied that Israel would be covered with camels that there would be all these camel caravans bearing all these gifts coming into Israel. The land would be trampled by camels. And now here on Epiphany, here they are, barely. They arrive a week late, off course, and they have to stop and ask directions. And they ask directions from the one person you shouldn't ask directions from. See, this is why men don't ask directions, because when we do, we get in trouble. And they got in trouble. They asked Herod, the king of the Jews, hey buddy, where's the new king of the Jews? And Herod says, I don't know, go find him for me, will you? And let me know so I can come and pay homage. And if you were here last week, you heard just what kind of homage it is that Herod has in mind. He comes not with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but with a sword. But today we get these guys. They arrive at the stable but they seem to be a bare shadow of the glory that Isaiah saw. Rather than all these rulers from the four corners of the earth coming to Israel, we get, well, at least from the east. We get a few guys. Matthew doesn't say exactly how many. We get a few showing up on a few camels. They show up just long enough to make it clear 
that the prophecy has been fulfilled before they vanish into anonymity again. They're not important as far as Matthew is concerned. What's important to Matthew is that you see the significance. You see what their visit means. One of the things about gospels, a gospel is a literary form in itself. And as Luke points out in the beginning of his gospel, it's all about meaning. Luke says at the start of his gospel, I have written these things down in an orderly way so that you might see the truth of all these things. We experience stuff all the time. We live in this time continuum in which events happen to us, words are spoken, we, we are flooded with all of the sensory input, and day by day, it is up to us to figure out what it means. We have to frame all of this input into some kind of narrative, into some kind of story, so that it makes sense. And Matthew's goal in writing this gospel is to give us a new framework into which, into which we can put all of these events and learn the truth of what they mean. Because in a gospel, the most important character is you, the reader. You are the one that Matthew is speaking to. You are the one that he is inviting to consider this story. And so when Matthew speaks of the star rising in the east, we are the ones who are invited to observe this star's rising. When Matthew speaks of following that star, we are the ones who are invited to follow after that star and to see where it leads. And when we find this child lying in a manger in a stable, we are the ones who along with these kings are invited to scratch our heads and say, who is this? who has been born king of the Jews. Matthew was writing this gospel to address concerns in his Jewish readership. The very same concerns that we have today. Concerns of, well, if the Messiah came, how come nothing looks any different? And if this Jesus really was the son of God, how could he have been killed, crucified on a cross? And so Matthew presents this framework which looks different, that makes a different narrative out of the events that he and us have experienced. 
right away from the beginning when these kings arrive, we see that something's wrong, that this is not looking like what we were expecting. For all the prophecies, somehow this looks different. It fulfills the prophecy, but in a strange and different way, such that we have to ask ourselves, how could this be the Son of God? How could this be the Messianic age? Because then as now, the world we live in looks very different from the world described by the prophets. Now, as then, we live in a world where might makes right. We live in a world where violence is used to try to enforce peace. We live in a world where good guys and bad guys are identified and the good guys are armed to kill the bad guys. We live in a world where people are judged by how much wealth and power they can bring to bear. And who is the God who can speak to this? Who is the God who has an answer for this? And we arrive in Bethlehem not in the capital of Jerusalem, not at the glorious temple, not at the palace of the governor. We arrive in this little backwater of Bethlehem and find in the rudest of shelters a child impoverished and insignificant. And Matthew sets us up to discover who this child is. If you look at the church calendar sometime, you will discover that it's not a straight line, it's a circle. It's a circle divided into two three-part cycles. Preparation, celebration, reflection. Preparation, celebration, reflection. Leading up to Easter, we get Lent. We celebrate Easter we reflect in that long season after Easter. Leading up to Christmas, we get Advent, we celebrate Christmas, and then we get this long season to reflect on what it means. In each case, the longest season is the season of reflection. As we trying to figure out, what does this mean? Here on Epiphany, that same star rises and in that divine light, we see things differently. We are invited to discover a Messiah who does not enforce peace through violence, which never ever works, but instead refuses to fight, refuses to take up arms. We come across a Messiah who, far from separating people into good and bad, embraces all people as brothers and sisters in Christ, who rather than 
separate them into Pharisees and sinners, righteous and unrighteous, hangs out with both of them and tells them of the kingdom of God. In this light, we find a Messiah who rather than purify the sons of Levi, (laughs) rather than purify God's people, takes all of the impurities and sins onto himself and carries them to the grave. In short, we are invited in that strange divine light to see a Messiah who looks nothing like we thought that Messiah would look. Is it any wonder they didn't recognize him? Is it any wonder that they resisted him? Is it any wonder that we ended up killing that Messiah because he wasn't the right Messiah? He wasn't the one we thought we needed. But now Matthew comes to us with this gospel and invites us to reframe these experiences and to find new meaning in them. Because in the end, the the question of meaning and the question of truth are one in the same. And so now in this long season of reflection that we begin on today, we are invited to follow that star and to figure out for ourselves just who this one is who is born King of the Jews. Amen.